from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. There's a lot going on in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen. We're both dancing in the pod studio. I don't know if it's because we're delirious or delighted, but a lot has been happening in the past week. Before we get into the the meat and potatoes of this meal, I want to talk some hors d'oeuvres. I love good water. A little inside little Jeopardy appetizer. Appetizer. First off, I am a big pen head. Do you care about what pens you use? Oh, Uniball. Uniball. Okay. I am very, very, very fond of the Uniball pen. I am a Pilot G two devotee, as anyone who follows me on Twitter would know. But at the Masters taping, which we're going to talk about, yes, we are. I needed a pen because I was taking notes, and Carlos handed me a Pilot Precise V five RT, and this pen is out of sight. I am loving my life with this pen. Well, so thank funny. you, Carlos. Um, I've been working with uh, podcast producer Carlos Martinez for months now. I've never been offered one of these fantastic pens. I wasn't offered. I asked. I said, I need a pen. Give me your pen. And he gave me one. It was beautiful. Anyway, right. so uh, if you're Have listening you... out there, I recommend that pen. That's the first order of business. Okay. Second order of business. I hope this one is a little more exciting. This one so is. So far, these appetizers, l- not very tasty. Well, you know what? I, we got to save our appetite. It can't. They can't all be winners. But um, Maybe one can. I hope this one is. You know, we've had our masters in town as we've been taping, and uh, I was driving after we taped through Culver City and saw one Matea Roach, headphones in. No way. With a Phil's coffee, and I had to roll down my window and scream, Matea! What did they say? They said, hey! (laughs) And then kept walking, and I had nothing else to say, but I was just so thrilled, and I feel like... Culver City is just a hot spot. You know, it's like Princeton when when Einstein was there with his special uh, institute that was just like getting all these European thinkers out of Europe because of World War II. That's what's happening in Culver City right now. Right. You saw a master in the wild. I saw a master in the wild. That's right. Well, as Buzzy alluded to, obviously, we did kick off our first master's tapings last week. So in JPT, Jeopardy production time, we are a few episodes in and All I can say is, Masters... Lived up to it. Not disappointing. Buzzy was in the audience. I was in the audience. I did not want to forget a single moment of gameplay because when we recap these shows, it'll be a few beats from this moment, but I wanted to remember the feeling because the feeling in the studio was incredible. It was so much fun, so intense. The, The level of difficulty of the material is so... Perfect, I will say. And I don't use that word very much, but it is really perfect. Only when used to describe your podcast co-host. Only when used to describe my podcast co-host or the Pilot Precise V5RT pen. Perfect, the level of material in this Masters tournament thus far of what I've seen. And, you know, it's so great to see incredible players playing at the top level of the game and having a great time doing it. Oh, absolutely. All of our six champions just really, they showed up. You know who also showed up? Our alternate. We haven't really spoken much about this, but you actually sat next to our alternate. I did. Chris Panulo. I sat next to Chris Panulo and I got a little bit of insight into what makes him tick. Do you want to know? I so want to know. Deep silence. Deep, (laughs) deep silence. Chris Panulo, he was, like, I was, I really wanted to get a little 
some, I you know, I wanted peel to little, peel back a layer, and layer he was onion? he wasn't giving it to me, and I respect him for it. But I will say, on the um, at one of the tapings, I was sitting next to someone else who you know I had there was a spare seat next to me, and this woman was sitting next to me. and She goes, "My ten year old son got brought in before me. There was only like we were in the overflow, and he is sitting next to Chris Panulo, who is his favorite." Jeopardy champion. So in between the games, I ran over with her phone and said, "Oh, I need to take a quick picture to see where everyone's sitting in the audience for next time. Do you guys mind just like give me a smile?" And so I, because I didn't want to embarrass, of course, him, even if Chris wouldn't care. And Chris was very sweet, put his arm around the kid. So I don't even know if Chris knows that that was his. But then I, I, I heard them walking out later, and the mom and the you were sitting next to Chris Panulo. It was very sweet. Making so dreams, dreams are coming true. true. Yeah, dreams I are coming true on stage, in the audience. Uh, a lot of diehard fans in the audience. Yeah, we had a lot of our TOC alumni. Yep. I saw John Folked. I saw Brian Chang. I saw Jonathan Fisher. Mm-hmm. So everyone is out to support our masters. Getting back to Chris Panulo, I just want to point out, obviously, he was our alternate. Chris did understand that if he was selected to compete in masters, he would forfeit his spot in the Tournament of Champions. Right. Similar to how Ken never played in a Tournament of Champions. He kind of bypassed that and moved on to other things. It, it worked out okay for him. And Chris was like, I got it. I'm all in. He was so excited to to have the opportunity to be a Masters alternate. What was interesting about this competition is because it's based on cumulative points as you move along, once we got the competition underway... Chris wasn't ever going to be able to step in. So he flew out to Los Angeles knowing that if everyone showed up on that first tape day able to compete, he wouldn't be able to compete. But he was a great sport. He stuck around to watch some of the shows. And I can't wait to see him back here for TOC. Me too. And he and I were joking around because I, you know, as you know, I'm always in a suit and tie. And I joke that that's (laughs) just in case something happens and they need a a host to step in. So I was joking that he and I were the alternate section, you know, say something happened to Ken. He couldn't host. I do want to also say, I'm not going to reveal anything because I know that's Michael Peterson Davies job. It is to reveal everything. There are a few little tweaks to the show that you are going to learn about when masters airs that are very exciting. And I'm excited to hear what the viewers think about it. I'm not going to say anything else because I will get in trouble. I'm already getting the famous Sarah Foss. Death, Death stare is happening. Well, you know what else is happening? Jeopardy. It is less than two weeks away. Our 59th birthday on March 30th. And we've got some things to do to celebrate. First off, we are offering the Anytime Test as we have in the past. You can take that test regardless if you have taken it within the past year. And once again, we will be supporting a good cause. This time, the Pancreatic Cancer Fund for Stand Up to Cancer. So everyone that takes the Anytime Test on March 30th, we will be donating $5.90 for our 59th birthday. In addition, well, we've got a live Inside Jeopardy event we're doing in New York City at Racket NYC. You can get tickets on their website for the event. Ticket price... $19.64 in honor of our birth year. And again, all the proceeds from the ticket sales will also go to support pancreatic cancer research at Stand Up to Cancer. At the event, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a live Inside Jeopardy. We've never done it before. Hopefully the first of many. We're going to have some of our great New York champions there to help cheer us on. We've got some big Jeopardy announcements to make. Mm. And also... 
Austin Rogers. My buddy. He is creating a specialty cocktail for the event. We're calling it our Potent Potable. I've asked the title to be the Daily Double, but he's going to have a little added ingredient that you can ask if you want it to be a true Daily Double. Get that? Well, maybe extra shot or something? It wouldn't be Inside Jeopardy without an Austin in the room, would it? It wouldn't. (laughs) It wouldn't be. Because you know everyone. Buzzy's real name is Austin, in case you didn't know, in case you haven't been inside. But for those of you in the New York area, we hope to see you at the event. And for those of you who are not able to attend, don't worry. We will be releasing the podcast on this feed after the event, so you won't miss out. But yes, Jeopardy! Happy birthday, Jeopardy! It's coming right up. let's get into last week's games. Cue those beep boops. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We kicked off the week with returning champion Stephen Webb going for that all-important fifth win against Roy Camara and Karen Rittenbach. Can we talk about Stephen's Jeopardy round? Wow. 15 for 15 in the Jeopardy round, finishing with $8,000. Holy cow. Yeah, and in that round, we had some categories that were you know, intentionally themed. We had Mm. Blossom, The Big Bang Theory, and Call Me Cat, in quotation marks, with a C-A-T. Ken joked, I'm not sure this was the intended game board for me to host. And then people on social, they they actually commented on, they thought maybe we made a mistake, maybe we didn't know who was hosting that day. Please, guys, our writers. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And it was so (laughs) much funnier that Ken introduced those categories. I can say working with Maya she would have felt kind of awkward to yes. have introduced three categories about herself or shows she had starred on. Obviously, the categories are never about what we think they are about, yeah. but I just want to point that out. Steven, in particular, liked that Big Bang Theory Oh, yeah, category. he ran that bad boy. He ran that bad boy. No stopping him, and then in double jeopardy. Roy can, coming on strong. Yeah, Roy just turned it on. Steven, still no incorrect responses, but Roy with 14 correct responses and both of those daily doubles, including a very, very big $11,200 daily double. True daily double. True daily double came down to final. It sure did. And, you know, Stephen was forced to go all in. He had to come up with the correct response. Thankfully, he was the only person 
to come up with the correct response. Well, thankfully but, for him, not for Roy. Well, no, but Roy, <laughs> I mean, fans have said Roy deserves a second chance. Certainly someone we will be considering. For you know, it's interesting. Chance. We do not have a huge field right now qualified for the Tournament of Champions, but it seems like we have a massive field for the second chance competition. That is so accurate. It's going to be really, really competitive this season. And I think maybe it's because our players know, like, you know, last season, no one knew second chance existed. You thought you either win or you go home and that's the end of your Jeopardy journey. But not now, my friends. Not anymore. Moving on to Tuesday, we've got Stephen Webb once again against Long Nguyen and Jessica Ashu. In this Jeopardy round, another perfect round for Stephen, but also for Long and Jessica. No incorrect responses. 30 for 30. Always a sign of a really good game. And in the interview section of this show, we got Mm. to learn that Long used to play bar trivia at a sports pub in Las Vegas. And he said, you know, we usually win, but one time we didn't win. And he looked over at the winning table and who was sitting there but James Holtzauer and his friends. So I guess... You know, if you're going to lose in Las Vegas, probably not surprising you might lose to James Holtzauer. Yeah, I didn't know James uh, frequented the bar trivia scene. Well, I don't think he does frequent it. I think that was why it was a rare thing for Long to run into him. Yeah, well, Stephen went on a tear early on and looked like he was going to be running away with the game. But Long managed to keep within striking distance, and he found that second daily double. He said, you know, I'm from Vegas. I'm going to bet it all. This time the chips did not fall in his favor. I give him credit for it, though. You know what? He went all in when he had to. Heading into Final Jeopardy, Stephen did have the correct response. He crossed it out, actually, and he changed it, being the only player who was incorrect. If Long had gotten that big daily double earlier, he would have ended in the lead. But Stephen lives to play another day. Ken actually saluted both Jessica and Long for their big wagers. And Long responded, I mean... You have to. We're playing Steven. Steven, once again, back on the show, as is custom, uh, returning (laughs) on Wednesday to face Gwen Lockman and Govin Dandekar. Yeah, in the Jeopardy round, slow start for all three of our players. But in double Jeopardy, Steven really turned it on. It was another perfect round for him. 13 for 13 correct responses. No daily doubles, but he was still able to secure that runaway win. And I will say that when you're in control of the board that much and not getting the daily doubles, you know, we know Steven is going to be back for the Tournament of Champions. Something Steven should think about is the clue selection Mm. strategy. Because I think, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. People at home will certainly see the way that the masters approach clue selection. Finding those daily doubles uh, is a very important part of the game. Steven, if you're listening, clue selection strategy. You heard it here from Buzzy Cohen. (laughs) In final, they were all incorrect. It was a triple stumper. And Steven making his way online to make a few comments. I thought this was interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, sitting at home and keeping score, he said, is enough to tell you how competitive you might be under ideal circumstances. But between buzzer timing, the caliber of who you're playing against, and the exhaustion of a longer run, today's game was my fifth game played that day, and tomorrow the sixth. This was one of our long six-game tape Mm. days, which we don't often have. Steven said, I really didn't know what to expect and preferred to go in with minimal expectations so that I'd be relaxed and not freaking out about winning 50 games or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's... Very much you got to play one clue at a time, one round at a time, one game at a time. Uh, And he's right. Uh, You know, anyone who says it's easy to be up there, other than Amy Schneider is the only person who's been up there and has said, yeah, 
no, it's a breeze. It's not, I don't get what the big deal is. You know, <laughs> well, Amy, you're one of a kind. You are incredibly uh, talented at this game. But for most of us, we quickly realize what a different experience being on the stage is. So thank you, Stephen, for adding voice to that. We head into Thursday with seven-day champions Stephen Webb, Andrew Brady, and Sarah Matthews. This was a great first round for Stephen and Sarah. They both identical incorrect responses, 14 correct for both of them. Sarah actually took $9,000 into Double Jeopardy, and she was leading Stephen. Well, I want to talk about one of the categories here. We have comic influences. Interesting, I noticed who these comics were. Hmm. Ray Romano, Eliza Schlesinger, Aisha Tyler, Ego Nuodum, and Patton Oswalt. If I was playing a little game of uh, Only Connect here, what do these people have in hmm. common? Dun, they dun, were. Dun. They were all Celebrity Jeopardy contestants, you sly devils, you. Yeah, you know, once they're already <laughs> here on the Alex Trebek stage, we figure let's let's get some clues yeah. with them as well. They're obviously fans of the show, and this was a great category. Yeah, super fun. Double Jeopardy round. You know, Sarah, part of the reason she was in the lead was that $3,000 Daily Double. Sarah finds both Daily Doubles in the Double Jeopardy round, however, doesn't have as many correct responses as Steven. Yeah, he found those correct responses, but he was also finding them on those high-value clues, which helped him capture the lead and maintain it going into final. In final, no one was correct. Andrew, unfortunately, didn't make it to final. Uh, But that small lead that Steven had allowed him to get the eighth win. Ken asked him in the post-game chat if he was purposely avoiding the daily doubles at this point (laughs) he said if you ever find a daily double we're going to be in trouble another great game for someone who didn't walk away a winner that was sarah i have to think she's in the running for second chance as well yeah going into our friday game steven's going for his ninth win number nine i love a ninth win against mark bernstein and kelly barry in the jeopardy round steven got up to, you know, an uncharacteristically slow start and allowed Kelly to take that small lead heading into double jeopardy. But then in that round, another tight round between Stephen and Kelly. Kelly was in the lead for the majority, but Stephen managed to fight his way back and take a small lead heading into final. This final, I'm going to give you the category and the clue. Statehood, Congress relented in 1890 after this prospective state said it would wait 100 years rather than come in without the women. I was surprised. Yeah, the equality state. I felt like this one, once we said women, we knew it was, in fact, what is Wyoming. But Kelly, the only woman on the panel that day, was the only one to come up with the correct response. Stephen was forced to wager big in order to cover Kelly from second place. Didn't come up with the correct response. And Kelly becomes our new champion. Now, one thing that's going to be interesting as people begin to handicap this TOC field we don't have a lot of daily double data. That's true. On Stephen Webb. So, assuming he comes back and maybe changes up his clue selection strategy, how does he perform on daily doubles? How does he wager on daily doubles? We have a very limited amount of information. It's going to be very interesting to see how we use that to factor in where he may sit with our other champions, such as Chris Pinulo, Luigi Di Guzman, etc. You are right, Buzzy. And we did catch up with Stephen right after his impressive run came to an end. Let's hear what he had to say in that moment. Stephen Webb, you are now an eight-day Jeopardy champion. You leave us with an incredible streak. How does it feel? Feels great. Uh, my expectation coming in on uh, the first day was 
get to answer the final Jeopardy question. Uh, I clearly did a lot better than that. First day was a barn burner. That was a fun (laughs) game. Had a wonderful time. I just feel great. Now, after that first game, Mm -hmm. as those wins started to get notched, then did you think, I want to make the TOC, this could happen? When I won three games, I was like, I might be able to get to five. I think I can get to five. Uh, And anything past that was gravy. So I did start to believe it. I think my first goal before then was 100,000 and then the TOC. Uh, And then that's just what happened game four, game five. I don't think I can remember a champion with a streak as long as yours that didn't have luck with the daily doubles. I mean, you only found five in your whole time with us. What's up with not being able to track down those daily doubles despite being so good on the buzzer? Take it up with your board people. Okay. This game is really hard to play if everybody else gets to double their money and you don't. I went the last five games, not a single daily double. I don't know how I won really most of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it says a lot about just what a great player you are to be able to pull off those victories despite not having any data. And they were great competitors too. There was a lot of great competition here. Now you've earned over $184,000. I know you mentioned along the way a, a honeymoon that never happened. I think you can have a pretty good honeymoon and probably a little bit more. What are you gonna do with all those earnings? Oh. I have no idea. Uh, We are going to take a very nice trip, my wife and I. I bought a house that was built in 1968. So everything needs (laughs) needs work. There's not insulation under the floor. There will be fun stuff. There will be practical stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm honestly still digesting it. From Portugal to insulation, it looks like you have all the extremes for that. What has been the best part of this experience? Oh, everyone that I have met has been so friendly and supportive the entire way through. Uh, Everything is very organized. If there was chaos, this game would be even harder, but like the (laughs) the entire crew is so orderly. It's like you know what's going to happen right before every single game. You get up there, the game is the same every time. The pauses aren't disruptive. Everything's really great. And then all the competitors that I met were so very nice and supportive. I've met so many great people here. And now looking ahead to the Tournament of Champions, you have a bit of time Mm -hmm. to relax. It's not gonna take place for several months now, but what do you do between now and then, knowing you've seen some of the people you'll face in the Tournament of Champions, others to come, what do you do to prepare? Hit the books. Uh, My wife and I have gone through J Archive. Uh, I'm probably gonna do that a bit more aggressively now. I'm going to remember what years states were admitted to the union. <laughs> um, and, that one's uh, gonna haunt you for a while. That one's, that one's gonna sting for a bit. Also just kind of try and relax because coming in here tense is not conducive. Well, it's been a lot of fun to watch your success. Congratulations on eight wins. Enjoy it. Thank you. We'll see you back for the TOC. Well, just recapping Steven's stats, the ones that we know, five <laughs> out of his nine games were runaways. He only responded correctly in final three times. Wow. So that says a lot about his run. And he only found five of 27 available daily doubles. All of those five happening in his first four games. So he went five straight games. Wow. Not a one. Average 24 correct responses a game. It's a Very good high. average, yeah. but not Amy Schneider average. Correct. You know, yeah. But definitely a good average. And his total winnings, $184,881. We will be seeing Steven in the TOC. But for now, it's time for some viewer questions. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Sharon asks, after the contestant chat or any other break in the show, how do Ken or Mayim know who the next contestant should be to select from the board? I've been trying to pay attention to see if there's something on the podium to give them a clue, but can't seem to catch anything. Are they both just really good at remembering? Well, yes, Sharon, (laughs) but there also is a little indicator light. And I love that you can't find it because it's something we don't want to be noticeable on the set. So in the lower corner of each of our contestants' podiums, there is a small light that our hosts use to know who is in control and who will be selecting next. It occurs throughout the game, and it is kind of one of the helpful ways that our hosts can know. But yes, our hosts are that good. They don't even need the light. We just put it there for us. So we know who's in control. Let's say that. And one thing I will say that I learned not when I guest hosted, but as a contestant, is that if the host for some reason calls on the wrong contestant, unless that next clue is a daily double, you continue to play. And it's sort of one of those like the host is always right if they rule you correct or incorrect or call on the wrong person, unless it's something that has a big consequence on the outcome of the game, you just keep playing through it. I don't know that that has happened in a very long time. I don't either. And it certainly didn't happen when you were guest hosting. That's right. In fact, I actually told them, hey, the indicator light's not working. You guys need to change the bulb. I was very proud of myself for that. They popped out and did that in (laughs) record time. Okay, our next question comes from Omar. I have a rules question that has to do with the situation where a contestant is ruled incorrect. Another contestant gets the right answer, and then after the judge's review, the first contestant's answer is deemed acceptable and their score is adjusted. But you then don't subtract the money from the second contestant, who otherwise wouldn't have had a chance to respond. By doing this, you end up awarding the clue amount twice. Can you explain the thinking behind the rule? Well, this is a great question, Omar. And basically, we just we don't want to punish any contestant for something that we didn't anticipate or a mistake that was done on our side. You know, it would impact them negatively if they had increased their total and then all of a sudden, several clues later, we take it away. Like, we are not one to take away. We make our ruling. Our ruling stands. Sometimes we do award more money to a contestant, but we don't want to take anything away from a contestant who you know, was correct because of our mistake. The same thing happens if we go back and we decide that someone is correct in a response and then the second person rang in and they were incorrect, then we give them their money back because, again, they wouldn't have the opportunity to ring in incorrectly if the first person had been ruled correct in the first place and it could have impacted their response based on the fact that we should have accepted the first response. So basically, we always want to be on the side of the contestant. It is a complicated thing, but I do love that Jeopardy is always on the side of the contestants. We appreciate it. Thanks, Buzzy. Keep sending in these questions. We appreciate you. Thank you. We didn't mention that not only did Buzzy come to the Masters tapings, but he once again was the most perfect coffee PA. (laughs) I ended up actually picking up some coffees for some audience members, too. Did you really? Yeah, they saw me going. They're like, hey, can you grab me an iced tea? And I was like, you got it. Hey, coffee PA. 
I did. I did. Buzzy saved me. I remember at one point, you know, I sit next to Michael Davies at the judges panel and I was so tired and very much in need of coffee. And there was a cup and then I, I didn't know where it came from. I was looking around and then I was like, Michael, is this yours? Because oftentimes, you know, someone does get Michael a coffee. And he was like, no, it's not mine. I look back and there's Buzzy. And he's like, it's for you. I was like, thank you, Buzzy. <laughs> thank you. I will make it through the next show. Thank you. I'm always happy to get coffee. If anyone out there wants a coffee, let me know. <laughs> I will send you a Starbucks gift card signed by Ken Jennings. Uh, oh, by the way. Yeah. For those of you that may not have been listening back around Halloween time, Buzzy challenged everyone to dress up for Halloween in your best Jeopardy-themed costume. Hashtag deathly double. We had our winner. It was Claudine. Remind me about Claudine's outfit. Claudine, I believe, dressed up. I mean, I know. I'm going to say I believe because I'm pretending like I don't look at the photo every day. But Claudine dressed up as Johnny Gilbert reading rap lyrics, which I mean, come on. It was so good. How could you not? It was so good. And the prize. Wow. What a prize. Buzzy offered an autographed photo of Ken Jennings signed by him. Well, recently, Claudine received it. She shared it online, and it's not just up in her home. She's moved aside her son's trophies. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that part, but I'm very happy that Claudine is enjoying it. I'm sure her son will recover from this blow. If not, I'll have him in as a guest on Inside Buzzies Insecurities, and oh, he yeah. can talk about his insecurities. There you go. So I think hashtag Deathly Double will be back. Get your costumes ready. I know. Now. I just want to think about more stuff. I don't want to I don't want to limit ourselves to just a Halloween for a silly contest. You never limit yourself. So let busy. us know what you want us to get you from the on-campus coffee bean and tea leaf here at Sony. And when you are in the audience, if I'm there, you just say, we have to have a code word. And then I'll, uh, next mm. podcast, I'll think of a code Come word. If you're in the word. audience, you yep. see me, you say the code word, I'll get you a coffee. Coffee code word. All right, that's it for today's show. Join <laughs> us on Monday for more gameplay discussion. Looking forward to see if Kelly can secure that second win. Yeah, she certainly took down a, a giant in the making and yeah. Stephen Webb. So we'll see what happens on Monday. I cannot wait. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And send us your questions at InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. See you next week. 